What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deichman. That's right, and this week we're going to be talking about 4th edition compared to 5th edition and Pathfinder versus 5th edition, well not versus, but compared, yep. uh, as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Allie, how was your games this week? Oh, they were fun. I got a wonderful chance to be a part of a wonderful end of a game. <laughs> <laughs> People almost cried. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. Um, no, that was really cool. It was funny. I was uh, we were playing, and I just texted Spencer saying, "Yeah, we just took down Tiamat." He's like, "Oh, so are you coming home soon?" I'm like, "No, we're gonna go against the biggest bad." He's like, "Tiamat wasn't the biggest bad." Yeah, yeah, she wasn't. And so that alone just kind of summarizes how cool that that session was. Well, thank you. Yeah. But aside from that, uh, speaking of Spencer, he actually DM'd last week. Oh, yeah. yeah. How did that go? It went really well. Uh, he busted out the Acquisitions Inc. book. Nice. And it was really neat. Um, we pretty much got an airship, and that's going to be our little headquarters. Uh, so we took it back from some pirates, and uh, they immediately were like, oh, great, you're here. You need to sign contracts. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, Cool. So that was a lot of fun, and I got to play a character that I've been dying to play for, like, a year. Oh, nice. I've literally been playing them, like, at level one in four different games. Oh, God, that's like me with Angus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I finally got to play her at level three, and then we're also going to be leveling up. What a concept. Hey. So it's cool. <laughs> but um, it was a lot of fun, and I, I, I enjoy being a player every now and then. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Spencer DMing. That was so much fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. And what about you? Uh, well, um, I ended a game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, originally, the reason I didn't talk about this one is because originally we'd have had the idea of recording it and putting it on the show, but uh, the sound and the AC and the banging on the table didn't work out very well, so we're, we're still messing around with that. Yeah. But um, this game came out of the idea of doing something you know big for a podcast show, and... Um, in 2011 is when I got into D&D. It's when I started my fourth edition game. And we never got to finish it for one reason or another. And I don't really remember what those reasons are. Right. But uh, we just moved on to other things. Like we started playing Pathfinder and then we started playing Star Wars. And now we're playing fifth edition. And so I thought it would be a cool idea to finish that. Especially since one of those players is leaving town for a couple years. Yeah. So I was like, this would be a cool send-off. And I I got you there. I had um, almost all of my original players. And we finished it up. Killed Tiamat. Killed Drock, who oh. had stolen Tiamat's powers. And then my original players got god powers yeah. <laughs> so i actually this is the first time i've ever done this my original players characters are now gods so cool and even though it's on another plane i do plan on bringing them over uh but we, we have to do a little work on what their gods are going to be i do know that one of them is evil <laughs> i know out of left field that was cool <laughs> yeah probably the person I, su- I suspected the least out of that group to have an evil god <laughs> I uh, was like, I'm going to put it to an Instagram vote, and there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I got to I gotta see what them being gods means. Mm-hmm. So that should be fun. Yeah, and on that note, I got to say, like, finishing campaigns is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Mm-mm. And uh, c- kudos to you, because I've the, I don't think I've ever finished more than one campaign with a DM 
but with you, I finished like at least three, I think. Yeah. Because we've done Tiamat, yeah. we've done Strahd, we, it's, and, well, I was with you for this, but yeah. I wasn't technically part of that game. I, I'll count it. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like... It's, well, and actually we didn't mention, your, the character you were playing in this was your character from Tiamat. Tiamat yeah. Continued on <laughs> through the plains. Yes. Um, but it's, it's such a cool thing. That's something that I guess we'll talk about in a moment is that fifth edition kind of allows you a moment to actually finish campaigns. It's true. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well let, let, let's move on from there. Cause we got a lot talked about. We're already yeah. five minutes in. Oh my God. I'm just yapping about, <laughs> uh, let's do some dungeon keeping. Um, we want your DM guild suggestions, please. Yes. yes. Uh, we're, we're having fun going through and looking at them and finding new stuff, but we would love to know what you all are finding fun on that site. If yeah. you're even using that site, maybe this is a good incentivization. Is that a word? It's incentive. Incentive. It's just incentive. <laughs> uh, to go check out that site and see what you like and then let us know. Yeah, definitely. And you can uh, tweet those at us. You can even uh, tag DMs Guild in there uh, or you can send them to our email, difficultyclass at gmail.com. Yeah. Because I mean, like, I'm having a lot of fun going through and buying new stuff that I probably shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> it'd be cool to get other people's input because there's a lot of perspectives on D&D. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, next up, we got some uh, some news for you. Uh, first off, uh, Gen Con is happening, well, when you're listening to this right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a bunch of board game and RPG news is going to be coming out of that. So I think the best place I have found to keep an eye on this news is just Twitter. Honestly, yeah, that's where I find a lot of the best D&D news. In yeah, because, like, uh, Team Covenant covers a lot of stuff there, but they pretty much only cover Fantasy Flight games. Yeah. Which I'm not opposed to. I like Fantasy Flight. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I, if you want to keep a broad eye on everything, I'd say Twitter is your best bet. And also, at Gen Con is launching Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yeah. I know that <laughs> that game seemed like a dirty word on this podcast, but we like Pathfinder. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and second edition is out again, as you're listening to this now, mm -hmm. uh, that book is going to be coming to me on Thursday. So we're probably going to talk about it at some point soon. Oh yeah. Uh, but if you want to check it out before, uh, you can get the book, you can get the PDF and I think the, uh, the free source rules like the PSRD, I think it's called oh, okay. is free from day one. Nice. Yeah. So you can just go read that and learn all about Pathfinder second edition. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you've never been into Pathfinder because goodness knows where the hell do you start, I think this is a good kind of jumping point. Yeah, well, I mean, like, literal restart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's get into topic number one. Yeah. Which is comparing 4th edition to 5th edition. Now, I think 4th edition does hold a special place in our hearts. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I technically started on 3rd edition but fourth edition is what I mean. Uh, was what I ran for the first yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, like the first game I ever played in was at a game store. You were running a fourth edition starter box set, and I still have that character sheet. It's, oh my god! It's over in my room right now. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy to just see it and just remember. What was the horse that freaking Eric got? Bartholomew. Bartholomew, <laughs> riding into the goblin game. Bartholomew. <laughs> It was, it was amazing. And so it's kind of similar to like Doctor Who. It's like, what was your first doctor? Yeah, yeah. That's your doctor. Fourth edition was like, that was, that was our D&D. &D. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
Um, but fourth edition is really different from fifth edition. Yes, it very much is. Um, <laughs> I I vividly remember uh, when the play test, the first play test came out for you know, what was called D and D Next at the time, mm-hmm. and we played it at the the cafe we hung out at, and we went. Are encounters supposed to be that short? <laughs> no, I mean that was only like thirty minutes. <laughs> Actually, shit, I think that was only like fifteen minutes. Oh my god! And uh, I, I just feel like, oh yeah, I, I could be down for short, shorter encounters. That's a cool idea. Not knowing that you know that was a thing at one point. I just always thought that in D and D encounters took two hours or so. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, as you do. <laughs> Uh, so let's, uh, let's get into a bit about what is different. Let, so some of you may not have ever even known that there were other editions. Uh, you probably heard people throw around fifth edition. That is because D&D is in its fifth edition. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, like, it, it gets a little muddled, but yeah, it's in its fifth edition. <laughs> and, yeah, <officially>. yeah. <laughs> uh, and fourth edition was out from, oh my God, I even said this on a podcast. It was out from two. 2008 that sounds very right 2014 yeah i think that's right uh and the the i really to me the biggest difference like all the differences can be summed up in this it's more of a board game yeah that's exactly what it is i mean not to talk about like scaling or anything like that but the way that you sit down and play fourth edition compared to how you sit down and play fifth edition is more like a board game. Yeah. And I actually remember reading once about how that actually came to be. Like, the reason behind that. Um, so, like, in 3.5, way back when... Um, <laughs> way back when. In, in the, the early, oldest times. Early 2000s. <laughs> My God, so long ago. <laughs> um, there was actually... The, the entire hobby as a whole was actually crumbling. It was disappearing. Mm-hmm. People were playing it less and less, and... One of the biggest reasons for that is because there were so many stories and so many people that were just expressing how much of a bad experience they got from DMs. Mm. Straight up about how much power those DMs had and how much they flexed that power. And how much it was just DM versus players. Mm. And so, I mean, just hearing that right now, that, that... grunt you just made exactly yeah, that's the I, exact I, response any, anytime somebody tells me that they feel like their versus their dm i just give that hmm. yeah um and so one of the ways that uh, wizards kind of countered that concept and tried to eliminate the idea of the dm's power which kind of makes sense if you think about how fourth edition is played because i mean how many books are in fourth edition oh god yeah um, that, that's a question right over 20 a lot <laughs> A lot, a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you throw the soft cover adventures in there, Jesus. Like, imagine if every race and class in D&D 5th edition had its own book. Yeah. something similar to what 4th edition was going yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the reason, the what they did, they pivoted. They, they took away <laughs> the power of the DMs from 3.5 and 3rd edition and gave it entirely to the books. Yeah. They entirely took away any concept of the DM has final say because they wanted to get rid of that fear that DMs are overruling everyone and making the game a terrible situation for people. That's true, and I really hadn't thought about it till till just now. But yeah, the rules like on player powers and stuff are very 
like dot period this is yeah. it no argument and a lot of the times i remember playing it reads a lot like a magic card exactly yeah wow i remember playing in fourth edition constantly to where we'd ask a question on a technicality or a rule or a character concept and my dm would be like pause a moment put a finger up and reach for a book for the answer mm-hmm. never once just saying oh this is why yeah because there's always an answer in a book because the dms were stripped of pretty much most of their power mm-hmm. in a lot of cases this is a good thing because you don't have to necessarily work as hard um i mean if you're not good at improvising and stuff mm-hmm. uh, that is a great boon yeah to be and, able to and, have an answer <laughs> and and that was me when i ran fifth edition i was not good at improvising mm-hmm. story and rules and shit like that yeah so and but in a way this is also restricting which is why i think fifth edition came out of it mm-hmm. because like we said it plays like a board game <laughs> i don't know if restricting is the right word crushing yeah <laughs> just crushing your very soul might be it under the literal weight of 25 books that yeah. you have to have at the table yeah um it's fourth edition is really fun it can be it's a great strategy game it's not necessarily a great role-playing game no no some uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into the the role play part of it in a little bit but i think Let's talk about like what we're talking about when we say board game. Mm-hmm. So if you are familiar with 5th edition, you know that your character on your sheet, speed, 30 feet yeah. or 25 feet or whatever like that. In 4th uh, edition, it was squares. Yeah. You move six squares. You move four squares. Yeah. It was very literal to the point where it's like you will be playing on a mat. Yes. It, there, <laughs> and, and like really the rules do not give you a choice on that. No. Uh, because if you tried to run uh, the game with, like any other way, you'd have to literally be doing conversion in your head. Like it's easier when you're seeing it, when you, like, you got squares in front of you, you're like, okay, I can move that far. Cool. Yeah. But if I sat there and said, all right, uh, you are on a road and there's a goblin six squares away from you. Or even if I just said that there's a goblin 30 feet away from you, you're like, okay, well, okay, so six minutes so I can move. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. It's just that little bit of extra time that it, I don't, it is, it wouldn't work that well. And I never did theater of the mind with fourth edition. Oh yeah. It's like, it, the equivalent is almost like feet to meters. Yeah. You kind of have to make, it's a simple conversion, but you have to make that conversion. Yeah. And, <laughs> but just not only that, the powers and when i say powers i don't mean a wizard spell or a bardic song everyone has powers yeah and these come in the form of encounters or sorry at wills encounters and dailies yes and they work exactly how they sound at wills you can do anytime you want uh encounters that's our dog not yours <laughs> um encounters you can do uh once per like combat so an encounter literal encounter like yeah. you st- you roll initiative that's the encounter yes uh and then a daily which is only good until you do an eight hour rest yeah um, i have seen some dms do dailies as once per session Oh, well, I mean, I probably should have done that because, <laughs> like, my players would go weeks without using a daily because, like, no, we got to get to the boss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that probably would have been a really better idea. But so you had these these powers and every class had them. Like, a, uh, a spider would have 
Tide of Iron as an at will, where as long as you're carrying a shield, you can bash someone, they move back five feet, and you move yeah. up into that square. And it reads like that. Yeah, at wills where you're, I swing a sword, I cast Eldritch Blast, I yeah. uh, play a song. It's like, it's your at wills where your things you do, you can do every turn. Mm hmm. And. Uh, and they would, and like I was saying, they would read like magic cards. 100%. Where, like, some of them even had a triggering uh, um, thing. Yeah. Where it's just like, trigger, uh, an opponent, uh, an enemy moves away from you. Uh, results, you make a basic melee attack. So then you'd have to go to your basic melee attack card. Yep. And it would be like, all right, so <laughs> add, uh, it's plus strength versus uh, AC. Now, the reason why it says that is because there were... Four hittable defenses. Yeah. There was your armor class, your reflex, your uh, will, and your fortitude. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, like, it's, it's a cool idea because, so those last three are um, kind of replacing saves. So instead of making a saving throw, you were just attacking someone's reflex or their will. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was supposed to mitigate that. But back to the example... The, the powers were all that you got. You got feats, you got powers, you got utility powers as you leveled up. Yeah. And if you were just using the out-of-the-book sheet, you just wrote the power in this one-line space and then had to remember or have the book out for all of this information. Or you could be like me and literally print out... I have my 4th edition character sheet... Not the first one, mm -hmm. but, like, the one that we got to level just eight. And it is nine pages long. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it I, was a packet. They, at the time, had D&D Insider, mm -hmm. which is kind of like D&D Beyond now, but Wizards actually ran it. Yeah. You subscribed to it, and you could uh, make characters, you could make monsters, and it would do all the math for you. And so I subscribed to that and did that for my players to the point, this is how ridiculous the math would get in it, I wouldn't give out magic items until they leveled up because I didn't want to have to print out a new sheet with a new item <laughs> on it. Yeah, it was it got kind of ridiculous. Uh, I mean, the, the amount of pages and stuff because you can get like five at wills and then yeah. you can get like five encounter powers and you get like five days. Yeah, and, and then, then not to mention the utility powers. And, and then <laughs> as you leveled up, you would have to swap those out yeah. and you could only use a certain amount of them per day. And you would want to swap them out because of course things get bigger and better as you level up. <laughs> they don't scale but, with you. <laughs> but there is like, to be fair, there is a little bit of fifth edition in it because there were some powers that did level with you. Yeah. Where it's like once you hit level 11, uh, this is one weapon damage plus whatever. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> this is going to sound weird to people for a When you hit level 21, yes. it was two weapon damage plus whatever. Um, Which it took us a hot minute to realize what was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it would do all of, like this program would do all the math for you. So for my players, it would just say 33 plus uh, D20 roll versus AC. And that was at level 13 that they were, like, plus 33 to hit? I'm like, why are yeah. you even ruling a d20? Because a an 18 is a huge difference from a 16. And you don't realize that until you play those kind of games. Yeah. <laughs> because the whole reason why it goes to those huge numbers is because nothing is holding it back. It just, when you level up, everything gets bigger. Yeah. From, like, the creatures you're fighting 
to all the players. And mm. so that was one of the things that I mentioned earlier was scaling. Yeah. Like scaling in fourth edition is way crazy. It's like, it's not just like a gradual, like line graph where it just goes diagonal straight, you know, yeah. perfect. It's kind of exponential. It's just suddenly you're doing plus 40 yeah. to your attack. Well, and, and the reason, <laughs> one of the big reasons for this was because you were adding half your level plus an ability score, which went up pretty much every level, every level. because you, it, it was like you, the numbers just grew every level you went up. Yeah. And so with nothing kind of keeping it back, everything else had to be bumped up or else every encounter would be meaningless. It would yeah. be like, we get in there, we explode the thing, we're moving on. Whereas yeah. like, it would be very difficult for any kind of, not just the DM, but for the bookmakers to make any kind of challenge if they didn't scale things with it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this creature might have a 40 AC, but your players have a plus uh, 29 to hit. Yeah. So they have a good chance of hitting it. I mean, like that's kind of like the equivalent of oh, this thing has a 16 AC mm-hmm. and they have a plus, like, six to hit. It's doable. Yeah. Yeah, that is something, when we get into the 5th edition part, that is very important. Yeah. Um, but uh, one, a couple more things about 4th edition itself is there were... So let's go with the wizard for a moment. Yeah. The spells were those powers, were those at-will encounter and dailies. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there weren't any goofy spells. Yeah. And when I say goofy, I don't mean just ridiculous, but I mean like there, uh, I think ghost sound got wrapped into prestidigitation. Yeah. Like prestidigitation became like the normal cantrips that you could do. And I think they might've had mage hand as a separate one, but all of the other ones, um, like there wasn't magic mouth that didn't exist. No. Um, uh, fly, I don't think existed. Yeah. And it, it, all of the powers with the exception of Prestidigitation and Mage Hand were all combat spells. Yeah. Which made it really hard to do any kind of role play with a wizard or any kind of like social interaction where it's like, oh, well, I'll use this spell on him. It's like, oh, well, it's going to do... 3d8 damage to him (laughs) yeah and it's it kind of makes it difficult to pause the game at any other point other than encounter to use these powers that these amazing adventurers who are level 23 they really have no other place other than a combat to do things yeah and that's one of the i guess limiting factors is that a fourth edition is that really you guys were combat adventures yes and that's where the board game concept comes in again because in a lot of board games you i mean like it's hard to say that without mentioning a specific one like let's say the dark souls board game for example mm-hmm. uh you pretty much just go from fight to fight to fight yeah, encounter so to encounter to encounter oh, that's so good but there doesn't leave much room to be like oh well i want to learn the lore oh yeah no <laughs> and so it's like and that's kind of similar in fourth edition not necessarily because that's up to your dm on how Mm -hmm. lore gets incorporated into these encounters Mm -hmm. but you don't really get a chance to use your characters and your character sheet yeah outside of combat yeah i think that's the kicker is that you don't actually use your character sheet outside of combat at all no um and because of that like my group didn't 
role play mm-hmm. at all. Um, I mean, like, I would do story parts, and it was basically kind of like a, a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah. Where I would describe to them what happened, and I would go, all right, which way do you guys go? Or, you know, like, do you tell them this? And, like, no one ever had their character voice. No one ever spoke as their character or said, "My, uh, I do this. It was all just like, oh, well, Thorne's going to go up there and do this. Yeah. And it and it was it wasn't even that detailed. It was just like Thorn goes, which I mean, like in one way is fair because a lot of fourth edition is aimed towards winning the encounter, not yes. necessarily furthering the plot. Yeah. So, uh, winning the encounter is very board game like. Yeah, where and it's like I want to win as opposed to I want to take down this guy because he's a slaver and we want to be able to save these orphans. Oh yeah, and none of that like, ever came up. That never mattered because your character sheet was just there to help you win I, the encounter. I remember uh, now granted this because again this is early DMing days and, and I talked about this at one point where it's like I had a uh, freaking regiment down of like story, encounter, 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 story. Right, yeah, I remember And I just that. bookended three encounters with story, and that's what we did for the night. Yeah. Um, and I remember vividly this one where they had to go into the Feywild to find out ancient information about Drock. Cool. They go there, they find out that the library is guarded by a gold dragon that's very pissy, and he's like, no, you have to go do something for me first. Okay. So they had to go out into the forest which I didn't have them roll anything for. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, no survival checks. Nope, you just get there. And there was a cave, and there were, uh, like, Cthulhu monsters in there from the far realm, uh-huh. and they fought them, and they killed them, uh-huh. and I don't remember why they did that. Because it didn't matter. Because there was an encounter. Yeah, I just, I needed something to happen while they were in the Feywild, and I wanted to use far realm creatures. Because if you literally didn't give them an encounter, they probably wouldn't have rolled dice that entire game. Uh, they probably would have looked at me and gone, what are we doing? Why are we sitting down here yeah. right now? Yeah. 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 Um, to be fair, that is kind of what 4th edition was about. Yeah. And people played 4th edition to play that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it is very satisfying to win oh, yeah. encounter. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, the way that we're saying this right now, it doesn't sound like we're shining the best light, but 4th edition's fun as a board game. Yeah. Now, if you really want to, like, hash out with your friends a cool strategy game. Yeah. Yeah, 4th edition is a great pickup. Yeah, like, the, the, the rules for it are super complicated to the point that if they did try to make 4th edition into a boxed board game, <laughs> no one would play it. No one would. They'd pick up, like, oh, more D&D, and they'd get home like, what is this BS? <laughs> uh, so... It, it, it is fun, but it takes a lot of work to do it. And yeah. I, the reason why we did it is because that was what we had. That was what we got. Yeah. Uh, that was what the stores were selling. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, the last thing I want to mention before we get into like the actual like comparisons is the levels. Yeah. So, let's just rip this band-aid off. Goes up to level 30. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the reasoning behind this is because they kind of split play into three tiers. Levels 1 to 10 were heroic. Mm-hmm. Levels 11 to 20 were, oh god, Paragon. And then 21 to 30 was epic. epic. Yeah. And your Paragon path 
got you more powers and flavor, and your epic destiny got you more powers and flavor. And I'm just like, getting flashbacks to playing the Neverwinter MMO. Yeah, oh yeah, no, if you, actually, that's a good point. If you played the Neverwinter MMO, it's running on 4th edition. I don't know anymore, because I think they removed huge the huge overhaul. Oh, that's right, they did, didn't they? They yeah. did, they did. If you were playing the Neverwinter MMO last year. Yes, <laughs> that you, you've probably seen these at-wills encounters and daily words yeah. before. Um, and that that is a pretty crazy thing, but it was kind of neat because it did give your character more of a direction because it wasn't like an archetype yeah. or, a pre- or a prestige class. It was what you were working for. Like, Tara picked out her epic destiny at level one. She's like, <laughs> I'm being a demigod. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, so it did give them something to aspire to. Mm-hmm. And uh, more path options. Mm-hmm. Um, really just means it gave you more options for feats and powers on top of the like hundreds you already had realistically yeah Yeah. it kind of narrowed down from however many feats and stuff that you could have chose from to a certain few which very helpful in a in a game that has like over 100 feats um i mean looking at you pathfinder (laughs) but it's it's great because it did kind of give you more than the option that like i'm a warlock i have these three options to go down Oh, not necessarily. You could actually go down a few other options. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a new book for more options, too. And Dragon Magazine, which was still going and still putting out information for 4th edition on the side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about what changed with 5th edition. Yes. So, pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and I, and I know this, like how you were talking about the stuff with 4th edition. Um was that they wanted to move it back to the story. Mm-hmm. So they took, like, yeah, they did the whole, like, you know, putting the power in the player's hands. Yeah. And I think now they've just reworded it to, like, it doesn't 100% matter. Yeah. Like, they like they really do stress this. That, like, in the essential skit, if you don't know something, it's okay to make it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, there's so many times and so many different... Like books, like from the player's handbooks, the DMG, where mm-hmm. they're just like, the, you can just kind of have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the DMG is, there's an entire chapter on just like, yeah, I mean, these are the rules, but mm-hmm. you don't really have to play with them. And so it's like that alone, that's it, that like that kind of concept that is in a rule book, it just kind of shows how much they're like, eh, you can just have as much freedom as, as you're willing to have. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And the, Doing that really helped, I think, 5th edition become what it is today in everyone's eyes. Like, yeah. that's why everyone looks at it as this story tool. Uh, when, like, people that love Critical Role, they aren't talking about the rules. No. They're talking about the stories that Matt Mercer and all of them are making. Oh, yeah. And that would not be possible in 4th edition. Yeah, granted, I think Critical Role started in Pathfinder. They did. Yeah. They did. But, um, um, but they have since moved to 5th edition. Yes. It, but, uh, like, I used to listen to the Penny Arcade games. Like, Acquisitions Incorporated started in 4th edition. Yeah. And they were able to do some story stuff. And, and what's funny is my favorite episode of Acquisitions Incorporated, and this was even before 5th edition came out, and I probably should have noticed this when I was doing my own campaign was the uh the last will and testament of James Dark Magic the <laughs> first. 
and they don't roll initiative for an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, man. And it is all role play. It is all talking. And it was... story. It's fantastic. And then the game... and Literally, like, they roll initiative and start fighting, and I lose interest. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because it's just like, all right, we're here to do this. And there's some funny stuff that happens because they're comics. Yeah. Um, but that is the, that was the only way to really do that with 4th edition was to do this big bulk of the game in RP and then this giant encounter at the end. Yeah. And that's the problem is that the encounters are huge. They're, they take so long. Monster at, a, at like 19th level, monsters have 900 HP for bosses. Yeah, it's kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that was something that 5th edition really went to, to task with was numbers. And I remember hearing this um, when the playtest was going on, that they wanted to keep the numbers low. Yeah. So they one, one of the things that I heard was like, your AC will rarely go up. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, Oh, my God, that's going to suck. They're like, no, 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 because the hit's not going to go up that much either. Mm-hmm. And so even if you do get hit more, your your HP's still going to be going up. Yeah. So it's it's going to balance it, it out. balances out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so instead of, you know, at level 20 swinging for a plus God only knows, uh, in 5th edition, you might have, like, what, plus 11? Yeah, um, because at level 20, you're going to be getting like a plus 7 or 8 yeah. efficiency, yeah. and then like a plus 4 or 5 in your so like, So those are the highest you're going to get to uh, if you are, you know, specking the right way. And that's at level 20. I would say specking the most efficient way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, I mean, this is comparing Pathfinder a little bit, but in uh, we have level 16 characters. What do you swing for? Oh boy, I add... Uh, well, I, I hit twice, and then I add 19 each time. Okay. So you you add 19 at level 16. Yeah. 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 So those were the kind of numbers that 5th that edition was trying to go away from. But not not everything, you know, was thrown out. Um, bonus actions are, I think, left over from 4th edition. And Mike Merles has said that he regrets bonus actions. Yeah. And I understand it. They are worded and kind of clunky. Or they're worded poorly and kind of clunky. Yeah, bonus actions are probably the most difficult thing to explain to yes. players. You don't have one, but if something says you can use one, you can do that once, once per, per round. round. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a little clunky. But that uh, in 4th edition, you had a standard, a minor, and a move. Yeah. The thing that I did like about 4th edition compared to 5th edition is that you could instead do one movement and two minors mm-hmm. or one minor and two movements. And I think when I first started playing fifth edition, that kind of bleeded over into that because mm-hmm. I remember in fifth edition constantly we were going like, Oh yeah, no. Uh, can I use my bonus action as my action? And then people, we'd just be like, yeah, yeah, because we were so used to that concept from fourth edition that it just kind of eh, bled over into the new edition. Mm-hmm. And granted that is not how you're supposed to play at all. No, <laughs> Well, we, we still had several things that we left over from 4th edition that oh, yeah. even I took a long time to get rid of, like uh, shifting. Yeah. Uh, in 4th edition, you could spend your entire movement to just move one square away from the enemy, and that was a careful step, and so you wouldn't provoke an attack of opportunity. Yeah. Where now we have disengage. 
Which is an entire action. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was flanking, where you had to be on the other side of the mini, mm-hmm. and you get a plus two. Positional, like, advantage, I Yeah, where now <laughs> there's help. Yeah. Um, the help action. Yeah, the help action. So, there, there was stuff that took a while for even me to get to realize, like, oh, no, that doesn't work in 5th edition. For me, like, funny enough, I still play with a lot with flanking, mostly because I don't have any characters that would specifically uh, already do those things better. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if I had a character that could do something, like, if their specific thing was, oh, I can, I can give people advantage on their turn then I probably wouldn't allow flanking because that would kind of make their whole character concept moot. Mm-hmm. But since none of my PCs have those kind of advantages in their characters, I'm like, eh, I'll keep those fun rules anyways because yeah. it just kind of makes it all right. But, like, I remember reading the Thief uh, in the Rogue thing where it's like, oh, yeah, they can actually draw stuff for a bonus action instead of, like, an action. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I never considered that to be, like, not the usual. And mm-hmm. it made me realize, oh, I should probably read a little bit more into rules. But at the same time, I don't have any thieves. So that's not putting anyone at a disadvantage for choosing that class. Mm-hmm. Everybody else gets their one cool thing they get. Yeah. So it's like... <sighs> It's uh, those old rules coming into the new 5th edition. It's like, I, I keep a lot of them mostly, only mostly because none of my current players are doing something that would do those mm-hmm. things. I'm actually the opposite. I pretty much gotten rid of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was through one way or another realizing like, oh, that's why that doesn't work in this edition. That's why that is this way. And so, like, in 4th edition, I, because of how ridiculous all this stuff was, I I turned Friendly Fire off. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, it never was a terribly bad thing. Really, all it did was shorten encounters because if Kyle had to wait in order to use fireball to get in the right position to do the thing, it just would have taken 30 extra minutes. Like it would have happened, but it just would have happened a lot later. Yeah. Whereas in fifth edition, I have friendly fire on. That is how the rules read. And I like, it's not hurting anything by doing that. In fact, it's making it more exciting. It's adding more drama to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty much, uh, with the exception of my house rules, like I, I don't really have anything left from fourth edition that I do. Um, and that's probably a smarter choice because I mean, just kind of going into the, the bookstore games, mm-hmm. like I'm trying my best to not do any of those like halfway rules yes. because it does kind of throw off new players and yeah. old players too. If, if I do a house rule at the bookstore game, I let everyone know, yeah. Hey, just heads up. This is the way I do it. Like as soon as someone rolls a critical, I say, okay guys, this is how I do critical. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Same. Cause you and I, yeah, you and I do them the same. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to talk about with 4th edition was the the release style. Oh, yeah. So um, we'll get more into this one in Pathfinder, but 4th edition was still pretty guilty of the just dumping releases on everyone. Yeah. We like, like you were, there was a ton of books. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying, there was... You know, ones for classes, there were splash books for races, there was Dragon Magazine, there was the uh, the softcover adventures. Yeah. I even think there were uh, for, like, the Paragon and, like, the Epic tier, like, those kind of yeah. options, too. There were books for those. Oh, the, the, those were mostly in the class ones. But, well, there was three player's handbooks. Yeah. <laughs> there were three monster manuals, 
two Dungeon Master Guides, two Dragonomicons, the Book of Vile Darkness, the Demonomicon. These are just the ones that I can remember. Yeah. And then that's not even mentioning the Essentials Guides that they started doing, which were pocket editions. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> so when 5th edition came out, they started off tripping everyone up. They're like, all right, the starter set comes out in August. Mm -hmm. The player's handbook comes out in September. Uh -huh. Monster Manual comes out in October. And the DMG <laughs> comes out in November. <laughs> and, like, I I flipped a table. I was like... <laughs> now it doesn't matter because they've been out forever. Yeah. Um, and it was a little annoying. Like very slightly. Um, I mean, but the thing was is that no one really knew going into it or kind of noticed where I was like... Lost Minds of Fendelver would probably last you that entire release schedule. Yeah, I mean, like, that's something that 5th Edition does now, too, where they kind of time things out so that way Adventure League has time to yeah. play adventures. Um, and I don't remember when Horde of the Dragon Queen came out, but it came out pretty soon after that, too. That was their first set. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Was the, that was their first adventure. I, yeah. I want to say it was December. Like, I think it was in that boom, 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 Yeah, boom. it was the next lineup. <laughs> yeah, um, and... That was probably the most amount of D&D books that have been released that close to each other since then. Yeah. It's always been two a year since? Uh, unless something... Just about. Like, Acquisitions Incorporated threw it off this year, but that's not technically an official book. Yeah, it was like a uh, co-creators. <laughs> yeah. So normally there's one book in, like, spring, mm -hmm. which uh, can vary from Sword Coast Adventures, Xanthar Guide to Tales from the Yawning Portal and uh, Salt Marsh. Kind of like support books, not necessarily entirely yeah. adventure books. And then in the like fall, there is the big campaign book. Yeah. And I mean, those are the ones I always look forward to. Those are like, oh, yeah. oh those are the campaign fun book ones. time. I mean, like this year's Descent into Avernus. Oh God, I cannot wait. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, like in fourth edition, like, I couldn't even tell you. Like, the books just dropped. Yeah. Whenever they felt like it. Yeah. Like, I feel like whenever someone had a question for something, immediately, like, in, within two months, mm -hmm. a new book would be out. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was kind of confusing because there were the soft cover adventures that had... They had two books in them. They split up the adventure into two books, and then there were maps in there. And it, it was in this weird folio thing. But then there would also be hardcover adventures, like... Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. And these would be, like, Tomb of Horrors, uh, on the cover it says, for levels 10 to 21. <laughs> and they would split them up like that. And the thing that I love about 5th edition, with, uh, like, really the only exception is uh, Mad Mage's Dungeon, is they're for level 1 to, like, 12 or 15. Generally all the adventures are, yeah. Yeah. Like, Mad Mage's Dungeon is the only one that is 5 to 20. But even then... There's a slight story in it. <laughs> like, mainly the whole story is in Dragon Heist. Yeah. Um, and so... And, and then all of the, the player options and stuff come in Xanathar's Guide and uh, Mordekane and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it is this nice, condensed way of getting stuff out, but also keeping your shelf clear. And it, it gives you a chance to actually use these source books, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we were talking about finishing campaigns earlier... Uh, you finish a campaign, you, that probably means you've been playing the same character for the past mm -hmm. like three or so months. 
if Mordekainen and then Xanathar's and then Sword Coast all came out like within a matter of three oh months, my God. you wouldn't have time to even play half of the stuff in yeah. there. Because, hey, you want to actually play a character from start to finish sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I know there are people out there that love one-shots, and so they build, like, 23 characters to play those one-shots. Yeah. But as I said earlier, like, I've been playing the same Half-Work Barbarian at level one for, like, four different one-shots, and I just want a player, mm-hmm. and I just got the chance to yeah. actually play her. And it takes time to play these characters yes. and classes and archetypes because, I mean you know it's scheduling mm-hmm. <laughs> and i mentioned adventures league like that's a whole part of D too mm-hmm. um a lot of the, a good reason why they kind of have this huge gap in between release times is because they want adventures league to be able to catch up and keep up with the books like you essentially have a whole year in between uh campaigns and so that gives plenty of time for the uh league to figure out like okay here's this tier here's this tier and here's this tier have at it yeah and it's i think it's really important for that because with fourth edition they're trying to bring back the hobby and with fifth they're trying to almost bring in new people and sustain the yes and adventures league is a great way of doing that as a whole Mm -hmm. for the hobby and being able to give that a chance to at least give people to breathe in the books that are coming out i think is the best possible thing they could have done well uh i think um, anything else we're going to say about 5th edition we can do with the Pathfinder part. I think yes. we covered enough about 4th edition. Yes, it sounds like we put it in a bad light, but we, we Honestly, really... It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And if you love strategy games and aren't really for the role-playing part of 5th edition, which a lot of people mm. aren't. I know a ton yeah. of people that are just, I want to roll dice and get in the encounters. 4th yeah. edition might be the edition for you. Yeah, and you and you can... Uh, they're on DM's Guild. The books yeah. are there. You can oh, check yeah. them out if you want. I mean, you can even go to like a thrift store, and there, there's fourth edition books in there too. I should do that. I should, I should get a good collection of fourth edition books. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that is going to do it for this topic. So we're going to mm-hmm. slide right into DM's Guild Spotlight. Allie, what do we got this week? Yes, this week we have Uncaged. It was founded by Ashley Warren. However, it wasn't written necessarily by her. It is written by 37 authors. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty much a collection of one-shot adventure stories. Um, Each of them taking time like one to five hours each Mm -hmm. adventure. And then all of them take place technically in Faerun. But eh, you can kind of just put it where you need it. Well, and and the main part of it was, if I remember correctly, it's uh, reimagining female, like, mythological beings. Yeah. And Um, doing stories about them. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'll just... There's a producer's note at the beginning, mm-hmm. and pretty much this whole thing started off with a simple tweet, and she pretty much was saying, like, uh, I posted a question, this is her, I had been thinking about for a while, wouldn't a collection of mythological... Mytholog- mythological? Yeah. <laughs> uh, themed one-shot adventures be cool. With creatures like Medusas and Harpies and the Monster Manual, this felt like the right time for a project that would put a new spin on these familiar stories. And it's heavily, like, 5th edition in all fantasy is heavily influenced by millennia's worth of mythology and folklore from around the world. But she was eager for a different take. She was inspired by a sculpture which depicts a defiantly nude Medusa carrying a sword in one hand and the head of Perseus in the other. Oh, that's sick. An immersive tabletop adventure seemed to be the perfect medium for her retelling Medusa's story from a new perspective. Hers. I love that. So Uncaged essentially has, it's... It's a whole collection of stories reflecting these myths 
from a different perspective mm-hmm. other than the dude writing it. Yeah. Um, and I was reading through a couple of the adventures because I'll be honest, I bought the book through the sale mm-hmm. and it was kind of a binge, uh, just a sudden on the whim kind of buy, but it's worth it mm-hmm. because I went through and I was reading them and it is packed full of good stuff. It's yeah. packed full of story. It's packed full of good like motives and heroines and villainesses and like read this. This sounds so awesome. cool things. And it has a ton of stuff, a lot of original monsters It has maps. It has, uh, really cool artwork i yeah. think like over a hundred oh, people worked on well, this book the covers because there's two of them right now both of the covers are stunning yeah and it's I'm, I'm planning definitely on running it with my sister and our friend because it's just gonna be great it's it's pretty much all almost uh i wouldn't say female centered but it's definitely female directed it's like xena exactly yeah. it's, it's like xena um and it's beautiful can i come way. in as bruce campbell's character from xena because i <laughs> joxer I, no no it wasn't joxer that that's uh sam oh. Raimi's brother uh ash. it was well i don't know if it was uh, it doesn't matter i just no. want to be I, i'm not saying ash that's a whole different series let's entirely. be real i just want to be bruce campbell um the god of war no no we'll get there it doesn't matter right eventually now. uh but yeah so <laughs> if uh if this sounds cool uh you should go check out uncaged on dm's guild uh, like I said, there's two of them right now. They both came out this year, and mm-hmm. uh, three more are coming out this year. I can't wait. I love it so much. Yes. Um, the really neat thing that I also like is you can get this in print. Mm-hmm. You can get it in soft cover. You can get it in nice hardcover. I'll be honest, I'm kind of thinking about buying that second volume in uh, hardcover because it is gorgeous. Legit, I am actually considering getting all of them in a hard yeah. because it is so pretty and the stories themselves kind of resonate with me so much and not to mention it goes through all tiers of play yeah all the adventures they start like you can play level one stuff you can play level 10 stuff and there's even a level 20 the, this uh well conveniently the fourth edition makes me think of a four, fourth edition book called dungeon delve mm-hmm. where there was an adventure for every level of play and it's perfect for just someone who wants to just play these one shots mm-hmm. and it's it's so good i can't recommend it more all right. Well, like I said, if you like that, go check that out. It's Uncaged, uh, founded by Ashley Warren on DM's Guild. Yeah. Uh, all right. Topic two, Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> now, I'm just going to say it right now. We both love Pathfinder. I do. Like, I, I, it's one of those, like, Pathfinder is that friend that shows up at the party and you're like, ah, fucking Pathfinder's here. <laughs> And, and it's, it's, you don't hate him. It's yeah. just like sometimes he does things that irritate you. Maybe he gets a little too drunk, starts telling you swing for 22, but then you got to add in all this and then you're debuffed and now you've lost a level and now you're dead and now you got to do this. So it gets a little irritating sometimes. Sometimes. But you still love him. Yeah. Oh, no, you 100% still love him. So let, let, let's talk about fourth, uh, fourth, Pathfinder. <laughs> Pathfinder, interestingly enough, came out of hatred of fourth edition 100 percent. i mean like the first when i when we first talked about fourth edition i mentioned about how fourth edition came out of the slow fall of 3.5 mm-hmm. and how these there was these terrible some stories. might say the strangling death yeah <laughs> the these terrible stories of just these dms and oh no i'm not saying the strangling death for um but like of the DMs, hobby yeah. itself yeah and so pretty much there were still a ton of good DMs out there. Yes. And people that wanted to keep the hobby alive and not do it how 4th edition did it. Yes. Which is understandable because, you know, if what we just talked about gave you any sense of what it was, 
fourth edition is so vastly different from what normal role-playing games are. In fact, I dare you to find another role-playing game, except for Gamma World that's already fourth edition, don't cheat, that is like <laughs> fourth edition yeah. that is out today and, and you know, living. Yeah. I mean, like, there are other number-heavy games, but they still have a lot of, like, uh, they have role play elements on role-play. Yeah. And that is where Pathfinder does shine. Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder has lovingly been called D&D 3.75. Yeah. Because, and uh, I know that's confusing people that don't know. There was a third edition, then there was a 3.5 edition. It's this whole thing. We'll do that another episode. It's like Lion King one and a half. You just kind of accept it and move on. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 3.5 went straight to VHS. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Pathfinder's been called 3.75 because they did change stuff. It isn't exactly... 3.5 as written. Yeah. Um, and they they did their own things. But it does carry a lot of the baggage that third had. Yeah. Because they did have these ever-increasing numbers similar to fourth edition. And they did have just a mountain of feats. And I don't mean mountain figuratively. I'm pretty sure if you wrote down every feat... <laughs> On a little piece of paper, it would be a mountain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite a lot. I mean, like we just leveled up recently, and oh, I I, it, I had an option like, oh, you can choose a rogue talent to be able to pick an extra feat, and I'm like, ah, yeah, not. yeah, no, like <laughs> it, it it is legit to the point where when it's time to level up, I grimace and I'm like, oh, I really hope I don't get a feat. Yeah, but at the same time, we're also level. Uh, 16? 16. Yeah. Which, I mean, technically, I guess, is... How many levels are there even in Pathfinder? 20. 20. Okay. Yep. So we're... Fourth is the only one that was weird. High-level characters yeah. now in this Pathfinder game. And so we have a ton of options. Yeah. Um, granted, now we're at the point where if you haven't started specializing, you probably should. Yeah. But uh, that's just a different conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just... There's a lot to consume yeah. in Pathfinder. And I will say, between 4th Edition and Pathfinder, Pathfinder is the one that is closest resembling to 5th Edition. Yeah. Like, if you've been playing 5th Edition a bunch and you jump into Pathfinder game, you're not going to have that hard of a time. The hardest time I had, because I am I actually never played Pathfinder before I joined you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the hardest time I had was getting used to the action economy. Because I have been playing 5th edition for so long to where it's like, oh, I have an action, I have all my movement that I need, and then if I need it, my bonus action. Yep. But then it's like in Pathfinder, I, I legitimately don't know the actual rules at this point because so, we switched. <laughs> so in, in Pathfinder, you have a movement, uh, an action, or standard action, and a swift action. Yeah. And then free action. And that kind of sounds like an action, your movement, and bonus action, but it's not. It's not. It it's not, not all. In fact, I don't remember things that can be done as swift actions. Oh, there's also full actions. Full round actions. Yeah, and things that you can do instead of your move action. Yes. And it that took me the longest to kind of grasp. That's fair, yeah. Well, the, the, what she's talking about, though, with the changes... Um, there is a book called Pathfinder Unchained, which is kind of Pathfinder 1.5. Mm -hmm. uh, and they gave a new action economy where you just have three actions and everything costs one action. 
except for spells. spells so, cost yeah, spell, yeah, spells. Yeah, spells. So, uh, if it's not a cantrip, everything costs two actions. Yeah. And it's a lot... We've had a lot easier of a time with that. So much easier. <laughs> yeah. So... Th- that part of it... Uh, 5th edition definitely simplified where it's just like, this is an action. Why? Because it is. Yeah. It's like, well, well, what about this? Action. Action. What about this? Action. Action. What about this? Eh, I guess that one's a bonus action. You, you get one. Yeah. Everybody, everybody <laughs> gets one. And so Pathfinder had that going on, but then it also has this giant list of skills. Yeah. Like, 5th edition does have a pretty big list of skills. Yeah. Pathfinder puts it to shame. Oh, yeah, but, like, I only use 12 of them. Yeah, um, I think I, I'm only good for... Granted, that's only because I can use 12 of them. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, then, that, that was the <laughs> other thing. If you, if your class wasn't trained in the skill, and you didn't have a rank in it, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you had to selectively put ranks into your skills instead of them just going up with your proficiency bonus. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't have a random, you can't do it. Mm-mm. It's like, oh, you don't have knowledge uh, knowledge local? Can't do it. It's like, but I'm yeah. from here. No, doesn't matter. Yeah. My my rogue, her essential uh, goal in life is to become a detective, but she can literally roll no knowledge checks. Yeah. Because I don't have a single rank in any of them. Yeah, but you can roll like an upwards of 45 on perception. And stealth. <laughs> yeah. And if you need me to insight people, I can do that. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, knowledge local, can't do it. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and those things are... The skills part is so clunky for me because it's you put ranks into it at every level and you have to pick which ones. You have a certain allotment by your class plus your intelligence and then you put those in there. If your class allows you to be trained in it, then you get an extra three to it and then you add your ability modifier to it and then any other possible modifiers that may come from a race, a trait, (laughs) or a feat. Yeah. And so this is... if you're going cross-eyed here, this is probably why you could understand why we jokingly at the table call it Math Finder. Mm-hmm. And I literally have to play the table with my phone calculator out. Yeah. And it's not on anything else. It's literally the calculator the entire night. Mm-hmm. And I'm a <laughs> jerk because I'm a bard and I just give you more math. Yeah. Because I was That's tired of Sometimes doing another my plus own. two on top of that. And then, mm-hmm. oh, I also have to roll another G6 on top of my 16D6 that I already rolled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a there's a, uh, a meme that's going around right now, which I I love every time I see it. It's a scene from Rick and Morty, and uh, it says every time someone asks if I want to play Pathfinder, and uh, Rick says like that's just D and D with more steps. <laughs> and yeah. it kind of is because like at the end of the day, you are getting the same amount of stuff out of Pathfinder as you are Fifth yeah. Edition. And I mean that story and role play wise. Yeah, because I mean, like in our group specifically, we do kind of play more combat heavy yeah. and more combat focused. But uh, our Pathfinder DM was just telling us last session of how there's so many cool out of combat feats in Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. But because of how you want to kind of build your character, quote, efficiently, it's tough to pick them. Well, I. Uh, that brings up another gripe with me about Pathfinder as is. And I don't feel like that is any fault of players or the DMs. 
we're playing a pre-written adventure path yeah. called Reign of Winter. Yes. And it is so combat heavy. Very. And every one of the books that I've ever looked at is all combat. That I'm like, why is this? Why, why, why are you letting any kind of roleplay happen? Because you, you have no options here. Like from yeah. the, like I remember reading Adventure Paths, and there were no like, if they do this, there's combat. If they don't, don't worry about it. And, and I mean, hell, in Curse of Strahd, there's no written encounter with Strahd. Mm-hmm. It's just he might be here. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and it, but in the adventure path, it's very boom, hit this, boom, hit this, boom, hit this. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember I mentioned how I have a really high insight, but that's because I put a rank into it every time I level up. Mm-hmm. I've only ever used that insight check to see people if they were lying to get ready for an encounter. Um, True. Like, if they're put an illusion on them, oh, uh, that's not a beautiful one, that's a hag. Yeah. I can tell because I'm insighting her. Oh, I'm gonna incite the child. That's not a child. That's actually a three-headed dragon. You know, it's like that's not a joke. Yeah, that's a thing. That, that was a thing. That's a thing that yeah, but um, I never incited people because we were having a conversation. Yeah, I've never done that. Yeah, like I've only ever done that basically to start an encounter. Yeah, like <laughs> um, Ike, uh, who is our our GM, by the way, in Pathfinder, you call them a game master instead of a dungeon master. That's yeah. mostly because they didn't want to get sued. Um, the he's done a few uh, asides like when we went to the boneyard and stuff like that and i love those freaking games because he does such a good job with these crazy social encounters and these crazy places yeah that i love it but then when we get back into the actual game and it's like all right, there's an encounter. All right, here's another encounter. Okay, you guys rest for a day. Now more encounters. I mean, we just did a huge underwater thing, and we just learned he wrote all of that. Yeah. And then we get out of underwater, back to the actual book, and he says that. He's like, okay, now we're back in the book. Here's block text. Yeah. And, oh, here's an encounter, and I one-shot him because that's what I do. Yeah. And he's like, that's why I don't really like to do the from the book anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I'm almost tempted to like give him a challenge. Like, how about you rewrite this last <laughs> book we're going through and do what you want to do with it? Yeah, and like, like, it's kind of, I, th- I would love to see what he would do like with that. Like, pick up the bullet points of the main plot and then just go from there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think that would be a really fun one. Yeah. But that is, that's neither here nor there compared to fifth edition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now, like I was, I said a little while ago with 3.5, the strangling death of it. Yeah. So, even though we said 4th edition was suffocating with book releases, 3.5 was even worse. Like, there weren't just books for classes. There were books that introduced new classes. There were prestige classes. There were race options. There was... Um, like there was profession books. There's like, are you a dungeonologist? Are you uh, an adventurer? <laughs> are you a whatever? And it would just go. It just had more stuff in it. Had more mm-hmm. feats, more items, more character options. Yeah. And to be fair, that is something that a lot of people love and prefer about 3.5 and Pathfinder is that there are so many options. 
I mean, like, funny enough, you mentioned, like, oh, what profession are you? There's kind of almost a slight answer to that and need for that, a calling for that in 5th edition. Because you look at DM's Guild right now and you see a lot of the best sellers are, like, 50 more items you can loot from creatures. Like, oh, here's an entire alchemist, like, just module. Mm -hmm. So you can look at things that you can craft, things that you can do, all these things. Because that's never really explored upon. Uh, I mean, Xanathar's Guide touches on it. But really, it just gives you a DC check to see, oh, could you succeed in doing this mm -hmm. very broad subject? Yeah. And I guess in 3rd edition and 3.5, they really went into that hard. Yeah. And... Like, I know that in Pathfinder, I have this book because I thought it was cool. It's a little splat book. Splat books are, like, maybe 40-page floppy books. Uh, there's one that is just stores. Yeah. Like, you open and the spread is a store. It shows you the shopkeeper and it shows you what they have to sell. Which is cool, but unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, like, it kind of makes you... It makes me understand that when 5th edition happened, they really did put emphasis on, this is up to you guys. Yeah. Because they wanted us to write the story. And I've said it before, but, like, D&D, &D, especially 5th edition is like the coolest story medium I've mm -hmm. ever been a part of. Because uh, the the consumers are also the writers. And the writers are also the consumers. Yeah. And it's like, and the target audience is also the writers. It's so, also everyone. Yeah. It's just everyone. And so it's like, no other real medium is that. Mm -hmm. And so like, looking at DM's Guild, you do have all these, like, pretty much every book that came out in 3rd edition is something that is made on DM's Guild. Yeah. Because people write this yeah. stuff. And I guess in a weird way, that kind of proves this plan worked. Mm -hmm. Saving the hobby, having the people make for the yeah. hobby. Well, and, and the other thing that it did was it made it more visually approachable. Uh, if you go to our local game store, uh, Pathfinder takes up two whole racks of bookshelves. Yes. And... There's some days we go in there, they don't even have the core rule book in stock. And so you just sit there like, what, what do I do? What do I, <laughs> like, if I was a new player and I walk, and I, and actually, no, I remember doing this. I remember walking up to that during fourth edition, like, I could never get into this. This is too much stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you turn around and there's the fifth edition one bookshelf thing. Yeah. And player's handbook. Monster Manual, DM's Guild, and then options of adventures. Yeah. And it is so much more approachable, Not in my mention, opinion. Not to mention the gift sets, too. Like, they have the three core rule books mm -hmm. in a set. Not, not saying the collectible yeah. edition. Yeah. Uh, like, what, one of our, our listeners got that uh, recently. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they got that with the, the, the Lost Minds of Fendelver. Yeah. And it's such, like, a convenient starting point for any kind of RPG. It's mm -hmm. just, like... Here's your package. There it is. Yeah. Have fun. Now, to, to like do devil's advocate on that, in Pathfinder, all you reasonably need to run the game is the one core rulebook. Mm -hmm. um, you could get the uh, you could get an adventure path, and I think it pretty much has all the monster stats that you need in it for that. Yeah. With unless... it, with some exceptions, and yeah. so like yeah, maybe the most you need is a core rulebook and a bestiary. But then at the same time, a lot of times internet is your friend. I've noticed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you can actually get all of the monster stats for free online. So, yeah. no. All you need is the core rulebook. Yeah. Actually, even then, there's the PSRD. You could do it for free. Yeah. So, I will say in that regard, Pathfinder is more approachable financially. Yeah. If you're just going for the bare minimum. 
But then once you get anywhere outside of that, you're just getting crushed with options. Yeah. I mean, like, which sounds counterintuitive to us saying there are a ton of books for Pathfinder, but then, like, it's the best situation financially. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's, there are there are a ton of options. And once you realize what you can do in Pathfinder, you don't really want to settle for the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of the point of Pathfinder. You don't really want to just be, I'm okay. You want to be the best. Like, well, not just that, but, like, the goal is is options and versatility, like, they, if you want to make a wizard that is a rogue, mm-hmm. you can do that. Crazy, yeah. If you want to make a uh, barbarian that casts spells, you can do that. Yeah. And and I don't mean like the the fifth edition version of spells. Like you could probably get it. So you have a raging barbarian that casts fireball. Mm-hmm. And so there there are all of these different things that you can do, but. It's one of those things that for me, then, like, there's so many options that I get, I, I just lock up. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I mean, like, I find myself when we're about to level up, I'm, like, looking through just the, the index of feats. And I look up at our GM and I'm like, how about this feat? Does that sound good? And he's all like, but that's not how the feat works. I'm like, oh. Okay. Yeah. And then I go back and I look for more feats because it's like, in my head, I have this idea of like, oh, would that work? And then this, but then in reality, there's like three other things at play that I don't really am aware about. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to voice this and it's not fair and it's just me. But for me, the one thing that I, that really irks me about Pathfinder is it's really cool, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll read a feat that is like, Oh, you get a, a plus five against undead. Oh, cool. But you uh, that's only if you have a quarter of your health left. It's a full moon out. You've drink three beers and this one very situational thing happens. And it's like, well, why would I spend a whole feat on something that I would get sometimes maybe? Yeah. And... Whereas in 5th edition, like, let's take Mage Slayer, for example. Mage Slayer is a very situational thing. But it's literally any magic, any magic. ever yeah. happens next to you. Yeah. You hit him. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to understand. It's a lot easier to uh, execute. And that's one thing that really does irk me about Pathfinder is that, like, I'm reading this and I'm getting excited. Like, yes, this is cool. Oh. Yeah. Like, um... We have a, we're gonna do another campaign, and I want to make a vigilante. And by the way, vigilante, you're literally a superhero. Yeah, it's really great. It's, it's uh, cool. <laughs> but one of the archetypes that you can do, and archetypes is you basically choose this at third level, and it starts replacing things that you would normally get as you level up. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in fifth edition, that's just what you do. You pick your your subclass. Your subclass. You <laughs> one of the archetypes was gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And you know uh, Spencer's playing a gunslinger, and I'm like, ooh, it's kind of cool. I know, and I know it's kind of bad because if you roll a one, your gun explodes. That sucks. <laughs> but uh, I was reading it, and it was like, okay, you've honed your skills with a gun, and it, it's your weapon of justice. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking cool. It could be like some Punisher shit. Yeah. And I keep reading, and then at the end, it's just like, oh. And uh, you don't get to add anything to your damage. You don't get to add anything to your roll. And it will never level up. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's useless. Yeah. And that's why uh, Spencer's character, who is the gunslinger, 
like the reason why he deals a hundred damage each turn is because of the literal path of feats he had to take in order to make yes. that class kind of viable. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, his gun would explode every other turn. He'd only be able to shoot once ever. He wouldn't have any grit. It's like there's... yeah. Well, and then there's stuff like if uh, if the enemy is in combat and you're making a ranged attack, there's a negative four. Oh, but then there's also the fact that they're behind this, so that's another negative two. Yeah. Oh, but you have a range penalty, so that's another negative five. I sit next to Spencer, yeah. and he has a total of four, I think, different uh, attack like blocks mm -hmm. of if this range increment, if I'm doing deadly aim, if if it's like having a minus two to it, if I'm having my heroism on, and it's like it's because all those numbers change yeah. drastically what he does. Whereas in 5th edition, it went, you have advantage, and uh, if you've been bardically inspired, you have a D8 to add to your roll. Yeah. And it's that... And to me, it captures the same amount of what's going on where, like, oh, you're this far away and you're being blocked. You roll disadvantage. Uh, yeah. But you're being inspired, so you just add a D8 to your roll. So that now you got three dice, you roll it, you add it up, you're good. Mm -hmm. And any kind of, like, outside forces are kind of put on the DM. Yeah. Like, if you are playing by how the rules are written, um, if there are people in the way, uh, they do add a C to the person you're trying to hit if you're doing with range stuff. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, like, granted, I never do that. Yeah, I but, don't either. But um, it is on the DM screen that yeah. says how to do that yeah. super easily, and but it's not on the player to do that. Ba basically, for me, the way that I run it is uh, if anything ever add, would add a plus two or a negative two, I just do advantage or disadvantage. Yeah. I, I don't it, like... You keep it simple. I, I try and keep it as simple as possible because the for me, the math doesn't matter. No. Um, and, like, 4th edition, Pathfinder does suffer from that you know, increasing difficulty. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, we are hitting for plus 19s and our AC is 30 something or something like that. Yeah. And the thing that I really don't like about that is that if a goblin ever walked up to us, not only would it literally never hit us <laughs> without critical, without a critical hit, we uh, would always hit, we would, we'd have to roll a one to miss. Yeah. And then we'd insta-kill it just without even rolling dice. And because there's also no way that its initiative would beat us either. No. There's not no a chance. Way. I, I, my bard has a plus 14 to initiative. And I have a plus 13. Yeah. So it's like it's it wouldn't be able to beat us. In yeah. That. And then all of a sudden one of us would go first and then we'd just deal some X yeah. amount of damage over 50. Mm-hmm. And then we'd kill it. Whereas in 5th edition, your initiative is probably never going up. Unless, unless your dex does, yeah. or unless you're a certain type of rogue and or or a certain type of bard and a certain type of uh, fighter, yeah. Um, and then you're still in the same playing field. Yeah, the goblin's not going to hit you for much, but he's still going to hit you. Mm -hmm. And if like thirty of them come rolling at you, <laughs> yeah, that's you better the whole run. Thing about fifth edition is that all monsters are still viable no matter what tier of play you're playing, mm -hmm. because the way that the CR works. Is that like sure it's a fourth of a challenge rating however it's if you add in eight of those suddenly that's a cr2 encounter mm -hmm. technically and so it's like it, you can throw in these bandits at level six you can throw in these goblins at level four you can throw in goblins at level 15 i mean mm -hmm. i did that it yeah. was ridiculous and it, it's just really neat fun way that you can still use 
all of the monsters and, that you have. And I had that thought during 4th edition where I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to do goblins here. And I went, oh, Mm-mm. I cannot do that. You can't do it. Yeah. And the same thing goes with Pathfinder. You couldn't You couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, so in that way, it is kind of restricting both story-wise yeah. and game mechanic-wise. Yeah. Because story-wise, I mean, like, why wouldn't there be goblins? You know, it's like, uh, I mean, it gives you more of an yeah. option with these monsters. Uh, instead of, like, thinking, what are my range of monsters that I can choose from and then having to choose from those? In 5th edition, you just think, all right, what's the area like? It's a tundra. All right, let me look at uh, ice monsters. Mm-hmm. And if it's not an ice monster, why would it be there anyways? Yeah. So you, you're kind of way more open to more of a story aspect, which is what 5th edition kind of puts emphasis on. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely. The, the, the scaling in Pathfinder is kind of similar to 4th edition mm-hmm. to where things can go... I said something. He said the, the difference between Pathfinder and Pathfinder 2 is that Pathfinder 2 is more linear, whereas Pathfinder is more quadratic. Mm-hmm. He used that word. Yes. And I'm like, okay, Cause, cause, yeah, that makes sense. Because every Saturday we go to math class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I do want to put one good thing here at the end that I do really enjoy about Pathfinder, and that's its world. Yeah. Um, I love, and I don't know enough about, arguably because I'm too busy reading 5th edition stuff, uh, <laughs> about Galeria and all of the stuff there. Every time I have been in a game that takes place in that world, I love it. Like the beginning of Rise of the Rune Lords, the one that Tara ran. Sandpoint, I love Sandpoint. I might actually put Sandpoint in my Faerun because I love that place so yeah. much. And it means so much to me as being like the first Pathfinder place I went to. Um, and there's so much history that's written in it. There's uh, a whole book that is just about the world. There is a whole book, and it's my favorite book, that is just about the gods. Yeah. That's my favorite book that's been released for Pathfinder. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so important to them that one of the first releases for second edition is a world guide. Wow. And that's fantastic. Even in... Oh, man. Ike pointed this out to me, and I, I loved it. In the core rulebook for second edition, there is a chapter about the world. That's awesome. And it is because I will say that is missing from 5th edition. You yeah. don't get anything about the world until you get an adventure or a, or an extra book. There's nothing yeah. in the core rule books I mean, that like, explains the world. Funny enough, when Spencer did DM, he was looking. He's like, I wanted to start in Red Larch. I know Red Larch is a place and I know it. He's like looking for it in the Sword, Sword Coast Adventures Guide because it's on the Sword Coast. Yeah. And I'm like... No, and I gave him Storm King's Thunder. Yep. It's in there. Yep. Um, it's also in the Princes of the Apocalypse. It's the first town you start in. Yeah. And you wouldn't know anything about Red Larch unless you had those adventures. Yes. And, I mean, 5th edition is in Faerun, and Faerun has a huge history. I mean, yeah. there's, like, the Spell Plague. There's, oh my God, like, there's Mistra so dying. Yeah. There's so much in there. I mean, like, uh, Faerun has changed so much over a period of, like, a thousand years. You could even, like, Google. There's a Wikipedia for the timeline. Yeah, I've looked at that timeline. Sick. It's so cool to look at. But there's no official book about it. Yeah. Um, right now, a lot of the default adventures and the concept of adventuring is in Sword Coast. Mm-hmm. Be simply because all the adventures have centered around it. Yeah. Um, like, coming up soon, eventually, you'll have, like, 
Eberron, and you'll be having like a, I mean, Ghost of Saltmarsh too. That was an entirely different Ghost area. of Saltmarsh is the first book that does not actually take place in Faerun. It is in yeah. uh, Greyhawk. Technically, yes. Yeah. Although they did put a little blurb in there that said you can easily yeah. slide it into Faerun. Uh, I I don't know the username. I should probably have looked at it, but uh, there is on Reddit there is somebody did actually take the Sword Coast map and found a place for Saltmarsh and put it in there, and it looks like it fits perfectly. And that's. Totally yeah. awesome, but I definitely agree that that's something that fifth edition is almost lacking. Yeah. I wouldn't say missing because it's no, not it's necessary. it's there. Uh, but um, I like that Pathfinder presents it earlier. Yeah. To the to the player, and yeah, the first edition book doesn't do that well, but the fact that second edition has a page for almost every major location of Galeria is so cool. Yeah. And and I'll tell you one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it is the creators homebrew world i remember hearing that yeah yeah when they were playing third edition this was their game that they put into publication when they did pathfinder in fact a a large majority of the gods are their old characters hilariously yes which is so cool that is that is really neat Uh, like what a perfect way to just honor your own characters that you started oh i know yeah no (laughs) like that makes me be like should I be doing my own homebrew world in case I ever do make an RPG? <laughs> but no, that probably won't happen. Um, but you got anything else to say about uh, about Pathfinder? Um, not really. Aside from just, it is a lot of fun to play. But again, it's if as far as the books go, like the the adventure books, that is, I feel like they could be really combat heavy. Although I know that the the Crimson Throne that we're going to be playing afterwards is going to be, I believe, more. Um, like intrigue. Yeah, it's more intrigue, more city focus, and yeah. even though I owned that book for like three years, I never read it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, Wiz is so you know she she'll she'll get that. Yeah. Uh, so like I know that Pathfinder can be not combat focused, but I just personally have never had the chance. Yeah. So I'm not knocking Pathfinder for that aspect. Yeah. Um, but I will say that Fifth Edition, as far as storytelling goes, and the ability to tell stories freely i think almost i wouldn't say wins but takes the cake Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right well that is all we're going to do for those two if you guys have any other thoughts anything we didn't cover or anything you're pissed off on us about for saying about these two editions please please send them into (laughs) difficultyclass at gmail.com just like dusty did yes for one of our listener questions dusty says hey friends what story, movies, or game world, uh, in y'all opinions, good use of y'all, makes a really fun campaign setting stay awesome? Ooh. Well, okay, so personally, one of my favorite movies ever is an old DreamWorks movie from the 90s called The Road to El Dorado. El Dorado! Entire soundtrack made by Elton John. So good. And it's about this literal two adventures, a bard and a rogue who go to El Dorado and they have to fake being gods and it's a great adventure concept. God, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have a better answer than this. <laughs> and I've legitimately actually done this for two players. Oh, that's so cool. And I even gave them a map and everything and they're like, oh, and they were trying to figure out and get there and it was neat. But um, yeah, like that's probably my favorite idea is just like those kind of stories where there's an adventure involved, like a literal adventure. Yeah. Um, I've also played with a knight's tale to where you pretend to be an actual knight, like having to fight your way and lie your way. Yeah. 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 
And yeah. I actually had to look at like first D and D rules because they actually had rules on jousting. <laughs> of course they did. Freaking Gary Gygax. And I straight up took those rules and I used them and they worked. That's so good. <laughs> I love it. And we just threw them into fifth edition. It was a lot of fun. But um, I know one movie that you constantly talk about. Okay, good. Hercules. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's the one I, uh, I, I was referring saying. to The Rock, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I, I know I had one, and that was the one I had. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, The Rock yeah. <laughs> played Hercules one time. It was fucking cool. Yeah. Ian McShane was this crazy wizard dude who'd seen his death and was always expecting it and then happened. It was so good. But the thing that I loved about it was that there was The Rock who was Hercules, mm -hmm. and everyone's like, he's a demigod, and oh my, we can't beat him, he's so amazing. But then what it turned out was, it was actually his group of friends who was making him look <laughs> good and amazing and awesome. Like, in the first scene, like, somebody drops in, they're like, oh, I just looked at him and he died, but really the chick, like, shot him with an arrow. It was, I, I loved that concept. Actually, both Tara and I love this concept, yeah. and we have talked about this campaign for years since we like literally the night after we saw that movie we we concepted this campaign where there would be one person who is the hercules role and then everyone else who is the the you know the group that's making it look like they are and we've gone back and forth over like is hercules character controlled by the dm or right. is it a player because there's a little problem there because it's like one person is the main character so to speak yeah um so I don't, and that would be kind of clunky player or DM wise. So that's basically our biggest hurdle is figuring out how to work that well. Mm -hmm. And it may even be just down to like, nobody knows what the hero looks like. So they can just interchange them as they go. Mm -hmm. So they can always pick who is the hero. Yeah. But yeah, the Hercules movie, that's one that I want to do. Yeah, my I, favorite kind of stories that I would love to incorporate into actual adventures one day would be like just your standard action movie that you loved just watching mm -hmm. like the mummy right <laughs> yeah like that would be such a cool campaign that would be an awesome your, campaign your, your treasure hunters and you actually find a freaking mummy i would and... be playing that freaking hot ass soundtrack the whole the time the whole time Love that music or like even Waterworld. like mm -hmm. like sure, i would probably go wind waker i would probably go to wind waker on that yeah. one yeah see where it's like like classic adventure stories oh man i actually did do a world like that once and it was for pathfinder oh i was gonna do a pathfinder game that was pretty much uh uh wind waker mixed with destiny yeah <laughs> where uh phrasma had protected the last like non-drowned city and then it had like broken her up in these little spirit things kind of like the ghosts in destiny and, like, they would find adventurers that were dead and, like, have them protect the city, which was a lot like Destiny. But then I set it in Wind Waker with all the islands and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, what you do in D&D &D when you write stories is you take your favorite bits from different things and then you put it into one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what you do. But I love classic adventure stories. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, our, uh, our next and last question comes from Dallas. Uh, by the way, last. Uh, Aaron, we'll get to yours uh, next time. Uh, we, we want to, we'll skip one on alignment. We'll go to alignment next time. Yeah. Uh, but Dallas writes in, uh, hey, my favorite podcast host. Ha, suck it, Chad. Question for you both. <laughs> I was just curious. What's your favorite class to play as? Uh, what's your favorite race to play as? Uh, what's one of your favorite characters you've ever played or are currently still playing? Have you ever lost a character you really loved? 
thanks. Hmm. Sent from my iPhone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, like, instead of saying my favorite class, I'm going to say my favorite role. Okay. Like, my favorite role in the party is either leader or mom. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mimic that. My my favorite uh, my favorite roles is idiot or dad. <laughs> <laughs> like no matter what, I kind of always end up defaulting to one of those. Same. <laughs> like, whether or not my character was built to do that, they kind of just end up going that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite race, I generally like playing humans, but I also really enjoy playing Typhlings recently because mm-hmm. they're so much fun. I mean, you just get all these cool little bonus things that you just pop up out of nowhere. Like, oh, we're, we're dealing with the Beholder. Well, I'm going to use darkness so it can't see us and we can't see it. And so it's not a problem anymore if mm-hmm. you can't see it. Um, as far as my personal favorite character, that's really hard to choose. Because, like, I'm the kind of person that plays a character for, like, three years mm-hmm. um and so pretty much all the characters i've played that weren't in one shots are my favorite characters um probably my first like real fifth edition character katya crane is like probably my top tier top three favorite mm-hmm. characters um she was a necromancer wizard she regrettably became the leader she had no social skills yeah um and she was a necromancer that puked at the sight of blood. It was great. <laughs> I love it. I know. And it was, she was such, she's like my own heart. And yeah, I've lost, I've lost a character. Mm-hmm. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that one another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, not, uh, not your fault. Mm-hmm. I will just say. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But uh, what well, about you? Uh, let's, so favorite class, I have two of them. Uh, I either love playing fighter because it's stupid easy and it's stupid fun. You just run up, you beat stuff, and they die. Mm-hmm. Next favorite, bard, because the complete opposite reasons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very polar opposite on these. Either I am all the way up in your face, or I'm all the way back here, and you will never touch me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as far as race goes, I really hate. You know me. I'm a big. I'm big on story. I'm big on, like, backstory and stuff like that. I go with human every freaking time because that feet. I want you know, that I've feet. That. I yeah. love feet. I just want it because it makes me makes me do something different. It gives me something thematic. And so I always go with a human because that feet, which is why in my games I actually give everyone a free feet at level one mm-hmm. because I don't want anyone to have that, that like, oh, well, I want a feet, so I need to be a human. It's like, no, freaking uh, be a typhling. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and... So yeah, that that's why in anybody else's game I always go with human. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite character? Oh god, that's tough. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm go with Char. I was gonna say you always reference Char. I love Char. <laughs> Char Drakesbane, yep. the Green Dragon. Yeah. Uh, he's a douche. <laughs> as uh, as Kyle once uh, referred to him, you are a walking disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> title <laughs> i wrote that on my sheet it made me so happy oh my god uh, and uh yeah first game we ever played uh ike was the gm we go into some sewers i go char puts on his sunglasses <laughs> and he's like they, they don't have sun you can have smoke goggles I'm like, nah they're sunglasses <laughs> and i was wearing sunglasses inside at night as i said that personifying it <laughs> but also char is stricken with my curse of bad roles so i 
uh, had him buy a uh, sword leash. <laughs> That he, it was like a Wiimote little loop thing that he had, so he'd stop throwing his freaking bastard sword. But I loved him. Now, uh, um, before we got into your character you might have lost, what's your favorite char- Like, what's your favorite class to see play as a DM? Oh. I know that's not part of the listener question, but I just realized, like, I just thought of that. Like, Oh, wow. For me, I almost want to say Bard. Yeah. Because they're the most versatile of, like, which way are they going to go? Rogue. Yeah. Rogue. I, I When a rogue freaking gets on a good one and, like, every one of their things just is popping off, the fact that freaking Kyle St. James <laughs> murdered a mind flayer because he got the perfect things at the perfect time and just did a bunch of damage at oh, yeah. level four. You know what? Yeah. I, I would have to agree with that one because... My rogue in the Storm King's Thunder game, he literally is going to be called the Giant Slayer because he took out four out of five. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And like pretty much on his own, he's like, okay, guys, you deal with this distraction. I'm going to go for it. Dare I invoke the late 90s? It's sick. Yes. <laughs> so a character that you might have lost. So a character that I had lost, Char Drake Spain, the yeah. Green Dragon. <laughs> he got better. He got better. Um... There, there was a goblin. There was a bad goblin, a, a mean goblin, mm-hmm. out, out in the ways uh-huh. uh, during a war, and he went, "I can fly." Uh huh. So he just was like, "I'm gonna go fucking kill that chieftain." Yeah. <laughs> so he flew out there. And then he got disintegrated. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like if a Sirac were a freaking goblin, just points at me. <laughs> dust oh my god yeah luckily we had a potion of like pure resurrection or some crap a bad goblin it was a bad goblin oh boy it was a bad goblin char goblin babe yeah but we we, i got healed in fact later at the end of that campaign became immortal so i don't gotta worry about that anymore (laughs) so that's good got better yeah uh but but yeah that that's uh that he died (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, uh, the best way to support it is by leaving a review, preferably a five-star review. That'd be real sweet. It would be. That'd be so nice. You could you could say real nice, sweet nothings into our reviews, <laughs> and we'd love that a lot. Uh, also, telling friends about it. Don't whisper sweet nothings to them about the podcast. Gets it off on the wrong foot. Unless you're there, that kind of friend. I mean, you know, who, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Uh, if you'd uh, if you'd like your questions to be read on the air uh, like D- uh, Dallas and Dusty's were, uh, you can write those into difficultyclass at gmail.com. You could also send us uh, uh, topic suggestions. Yeah. I mean, we come up with them each week, but you know, if you got something that you want to hear us talk about that is longer than a listener question, uh, let us know. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class, on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast, and uh, until next week. Don't get killed by a really hot room uh, that's very small and has a plane flying over continuously that I'm sure you heard through this whole episode.